grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your loving kindness, God. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you, God, that we've been justified. We've been sanctified, God. We've been cleansed, God. God, I thank you, Father God, that we've been reconciled. We've been redeemed, God. And it's all because of the blood of Jesus. It's not because of what we've done or what we could do or would have done. It's because of what Jesus have done. So, God, we're so grateful, God. We're so grateful. We're so thankful, God. All the glory, honor, and praise go to you. So we just thank you on today. And, Father, I thank you that I have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. I thank you for my helper, my teacher, my comforter, the one that walks alongside of me, the one that reveals unto me, the one that brings the word back to my remembrance. I thank you for the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I yield myself unto you on today. And Father, I thank you that as I open my mouth and as I begin to teach your people, God, healing has already taken place. Deliverance has already taken place, God. I thank you, God, that the joy of the Lord is our strength, God, even on today, God. I thank you, Father God, that even as I open my mouth, the word becomes a fire and it devours everything going on in this room on today. It becomes a hammer and it breaks the rocks into pieces. It becomes a two-edged sword. And I just thank you for the word on today now father i thank you god that your people hearts are open and receptive to receive god what you will have for them to receive even on today in jesus name and we give you all the glory all the honor and all the praise in jesus name amen i'm so excited for what the lord is doing and sometimes we don't understand what he's doing at the time but god is taking you to a place um for the past two Sundays, um, one Sunday we talked about the body of Christ, um, how the body of Christ have lost their appetite. And the appetite that they lost is for the word. And sometimes we don't see ourselves losing our appetite when it comes to the word of God. And the way that you know that you have lost your appetite is that you don't get into the word the way you need to get into the word. The word just don't um, do what you think it need to do for you. That's a loss of appetite. And we talked about that with the um, Israelites and how God was giving them bread from heaven. They didn't want that bread no more. They wanted what the world had. They wanted to be like the world was. So sometimes we'll look at what we have and we say it's not enough. We look at the word of God like it's not enough because it seems as if things are not happening the way that we think they need to happen. Then after that, God brought forth... Um, God's word will bring forth and we went in numbers the 11th chapter and what was going on the people were grumbling again it was still about the word it was still about what God had given them and God began uh, Moses began to go to God and God told Moses I'm gonna give the people what they want I'm gonna give them so much of meat that it comes out of their nostrils and it makes them sick and see what God does he will give you what you want the world's way to let you know that don't work. To let you know you're still going to be dissatisfied with what you want. And see, that's why we have to get to the root of what's going on. So at that time, Moses began to tell him, you know, th this is a lot of people. God, what are you going to do? How are you going to do this? Come on. He was talking to God. So God began to tell Moses. He said, is my hand whacked short, Moses? He said, you shall see now. So what I'm telling you is God's word will bring forth. 
no matter what your situation look like, no matter what it appeared to be, God will not leave you like that. God did not leave you like that. And the enemy wants you to think you have to be like that. So today, leading all up to that, I say, okay, God, what, what's up now? Now, we talked about the word. We talked about the effects of the word, why people don't want to go into the word. What do you want me to bring today? Go with me to Luke, and let's hear what God is doing in this house today. Luke chapter 13. And I want to begin at verse 11. Luke chapter 13. I'll say Saint Luke. Chapter 13, verse 11. Some people want you to be correct. Saint Luke. Just in case somebody's watching live, it ain't Luke, it's Saint Luke, whatever. Luke is still present. Amen. (laughs) Luke 13, verse 11. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity, 18 years, and was bowed together, and could in no wise lift up herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. I want to talk about on today, loose yourself. Loose yourself. God know how to set us up, right? So if you've been following along with what God has been doing, just like I said, the body of Christ have lost their appetite, and then he goes to say that God's word will bring forth. So we got to understand that God's word have final authority. No matter what your situation is, God have already loose you. God have already set you free. So this is why I wanted that song to play to let you know that you already set free. And when we don't understand that we're already free, then we're trying to get freedom through things to get us free. The first thing you got to understand is, and I'm... I'm going to go back through this. I'm going to go little by little, line upon line, precept upon precept. I'm going to do like Isaiah did, and they got mad at Isaiah. Say, do you think we're children, and you have to do it this way? Sometimes you have to do it that way for people to get it. Amen? Some people think that they're above to go, you know, little bits at a time. But the way the Lord is taking me, and what I want you to understand is the enemy is so cunning. The enemy knows that he has been disarmed of his power and of his authority. The only thing that the enemy can use on you is deception. And the way that he do this, he wants to turn your thinking around. And this is how this happens. I'm going to go back to the Garden of Eden because I believe all of us is familiar with it. Genesis 3, everybody know what happened in Genesis 3. We know what happened prior to Genesis 3. We know God created, you know, things the way he wanted them to be, and everything that God created was what? Good. And the Bible say it was very good. So there was no evil and nothing God created. They were in paradise. But guess what? 
through Satan, Beelzebub, the Lord of the flies, he was amongst them. And how was he amongst them? Because he used God creation to get what he wanted. Let me tell you something. Just because you in the house of God don't mean that the devil didn't ride here on your back. See, this is why when you come into the house of God, whatever is in the house of God that need to be exposed, that need to be dealt with, we deal with it through the word. We don't have to come in here and have a bouncer to flip you, to turn you all upside down, to punch you. We don't need all of that because the word is the final authority. So we look at Genesis and how the enemy used God's creation. But understand, the enemy cannot use nothing that we don't allow him to use. We need to quit blaming God to say, why did you let this happen to me? Ask yourself, why did you allow it to happen to you? It's not God's fault. We put everything on God. People say, you know, the enemy can do no more than God allow. Let me tell you why God allowed it, because you allowed it. God got rid of sin through his son, and if you are in it, it's because God didn't put it on you. It's because you opened the door to it. So this is where the enemy deception come in at. He want us to be mad at God. And if some people are mad at God because of things that's going on in your life and you're trying to blame it on God, but God already took care of that problem in your life. So you need to lose yourself. So we look at the word and how Satan come into that garden. He used the serpent and y'all know what he did. He twisted God's word. And how he twists the word, he said, did God really say? Come on, this morning, did you hear the enemy tell you, did God really say that you're going to prosper? Did God really say you're going to have a mate? Did God really say that you're healed? You don't have no mate. You're still in pain. Your bank account is, is got nothing in it. So how did God say what he said? I don't care what it looked like. God's word is not going to change based on how you feel and based on what it looked like. You may be broken the natural, but in the supernatural, God has blessed you with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places through Christ Jesus. You may be having pain in your body, but the fact is you ain't denying the pain, but you don't have to keep the pain because the Bible says that by Jesus Christ, you were already healed. So when you know what you have, you don't have to put up with it. Lose yourself. We got too many people waiting on God to do something that he's already done. Quit begging God for something that God has already provided through his son. Jesus ain't going to die again, y'all. He done his part. But the part that we have to do is see what he's done and live like we know what he's done. The problem is we really haven't gotten to know God to the point of when things come up in our lives, we think that we're supposed to petition God. That's because we don't know God. So in that garden, we see that Satan come in there and use God creation. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, don't be used by the enemy. Say, by the way, you already been used by the enemy. So we look at how he come in that garden. He said, did God really say? So guess what he was trying to do, y'all? He was trying to take her attention off of what God said and put her attention on what he was saying. 
So that's what the enemy does. So guess what? She knew that they could not eat from that tree. She even put something in there and said, we can't eat it and can't touch it. She was so afraid and had a fear of God. She knew what God's word said. She said, if I touch it, I'm going to eat it because I'm going to be looking at it. I'm going to be admiring it. So he kept messing with Eve. And as he messed with her, Eve began to have a lust of the eye, lust of flesh, and a pride of life. All of those things are what's in the world. So guess what? The world was coming into the Garden of Eden. And so as she did that and focused on what he was saying, she ate from that tree. Y'all know what happened. God's word don't change. Whatever God says that will happen, it's going to happen because that's his word. And that's why we have to honor his word. What happened? He said, the day that you eat from that tree of knowledge of good and evil, you shall surely die. He knew that they would die a spiritual death, not a physical death. So guess what? They couldn't stay in that garden no more. The reason why they couldn't stay in the garden, because if they ate from the tree of life, they would live forever in a sinful condition. So God said, we got to take them out of this garden because they're going to be eaten from this tree and they're going to be sinful and their whole life, this is how it's supposed to be. But guess what, y'all? God had a plan. God had a plan even before this happened. I want to encourage you today. Whatever is going on in your life or whatever went on in your life, God already had a plan for you. It don't matter how bad it look. It don't matter what it appear to be. It don't matter how people see you or how people talk about you. You have to remember that God has a plan for your life. And that plan is outside of how you feel. It's outside of how people perceive you. It's outside of even what you done last night. God has a plan for you. The plan that he has for you is for you to prosper. It's for you to have good and not even. For you to have a hope and a future and an expected God has a plan for you that verse come in Jeremiah 29 because the people were so rebellious towards God so God turned them over to their enemies they had to be um, in bondage to their enemies because they didn't want to hear God so they had prophets coming to them telling them that they were going to come out of this place God said don't believe that lie because I already told you this is where you're going to be because of what you choose to do so that's why he said have children in this place build houses in this place live in peace in this place because you ain't coming out of this place until it's time for you to come out of this place but what do we do we go to line prophets after God told you what not to do we go to a line prophet and the prophet tell you something opposite to what God said and you think that God's going to change his mind God is not going to change his mind. His word is what it is, and he's not going to flip-flop his word for you to do what you want to do. Some people think, I'm going to do this, and everything will be all right. No, when you open a door to something that God done away with, then you inviting that thing back in your life. And whatever you invite in your life is what you live with until you come to the knowledge of the truth. Oh, my goodness, to know what God's done. Y'all, we are in a place in the church that we think we can get away and not suffer the consequences. Because we're trying to pull a grace card. But this is what happened. God had a plan. Look at your neighbor say, God had a plan. Even before they messed up, say, God had a plan. 
Now look at him again and say, God has a plan for you. Say, even though your life looked torn from the floor up. Say, God has a plan for you. Oh, ain't that excited? So we shouldn't be putting people down because of their situation. Because they look like they ain't going to make it. That ain't what God already said about them. We shouldn't look at a person because they done this or because they done that. Or because they're acting out of the ordinary. We should come in and strengthen our brother and sister. And let them know you don't have to be in this predicament you in. How do I know? Because God made a way for you. But we're spending too much time hating on our brother, hating on our sister with discord, sowing seeds of discord because we want to shine. So look, God is saying this today. Even through the plan that God had, check this out. God loved the world so much that even when Adam and Eve messed up, God was showing grace and mercy. Right there in the garden, he killed an animal. He clothed them because before they walked around naked and they were not even ashamed because I believe they were clothed in his goodness. They were clothed in his righteousness. They weren't ashamed of how they looked. Matter of fact, they were husbands and husband and wife, so they shouldn't have been ashamed because Eve knew Adam and Adam knew Eve and both of them knew the Lord. So even when they got off track, God still had that love for them there. So I want you to understand, even when you get off track, even when you do stuff you don't supposed to be doing, God's love don't change. God's love does not fluctuate. So God gave them a promise, and he let them know what his son was going to come and do. So when we look at that, all through the word of God, we see, and I'm getting somewhere, y'all. I want y'all to understand, we went over this before, the effects of sin. And how sin affects people. We're living in a fallen world due to the sin of one man. And due to that sin of one man, which was Adam, sin came upon the whole world. And then when sin came, death came. And we know the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. See, that verse really don't mean nothing to anyone until you break down why that verse is in the Bible. See, when Adam and Eve sinned and sin came into the world, God hates sin. God hates sin so much, it is proven in the word of God that after that had happened, look what happened. Cain killed his brother. Cain killed his brother. After Cain killed his brother, look at what happened. Then uh, somebody through their bloodline end up killing somebody else, and they're trying to justify it through what Cain done. So the world was full of sin. And God said the world was so full of sin that the imaginations, go with me to Genesis 6. Y'all, this is real. I want you to know this is real. This ain't nothing to play with. Genesis, the sixth chapter. It says in verse 5, and God saw that the wickedness of man was great. He said great in the earth and that every imagination, that's what's formed in your mind. Every imagination, everything that was formed in their mind of their thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. That means on a daily basis. Every day, everything they thought about was evil. Evil because sin come into the world. So remember now, they don't have the spirit of God. 
they have the spirit of the world, which is Satan, the God of this world. So he's about death. He's about evil. He's about corruption. And the word of God says that God said that the earth was so corrupt. It was so vile that God said, I got to destroy everything on the earth that I have created. But God always have a plan. He still had someone that was righteous. He still had someone that could trust him, depend on him, and know that he is still Elohim, the creator. He's Jehovah, the self-existing God. So he had a person, which was Noah. Y'all know all, all this. So he had a plan. So he told Noah, this is what I want you to do. The earth is so full of corruption, so full of evil. That's all they think about is sin. And the things that they're doing is normal to them. They don't think it's a problem because they're controlled by the sinful nature. They're controlled by it. So guess what? So God, he destroyed the earth, did he not? But then after he destroyed the earth, what did he do? He told Noah, this is what I want you to do, to replenish the earth. So he's starting over again. But y'all know what will still happen and sin will still upon the earth. So when you go through the Bible and you get on up to Exodus, I'm moving fast. You know, they still was dealing with sin, but they did not know that's what they were dealing with. So this is what God had to do. He gave them a choice in Exodus, I believe it's um, 19. He was letting them know whether they were going to trust him, depend on him, or he was going to give them laws to go by. Guess what they said? They were going to, you know, whatever you tell us to do, this is what we're going to do. So they took the law. So Moses had to give them laws. Guess what the law's done? The law let them know they were in the need of a savior. They didn't know this before, but what God put in place, he put sacrifices in place for sin. But the law is letting people know they're in the need of a savior. How does the law let you know that? Because when God say, thou shall not um, covet or thou shall not commit adultery, soon as he say what you should not do, that sin nature that's in you rises up and draws you to a place that God is telling you not to do. So that's when they knew we cannot keep these laws. So God knew that they couldn't keep them, but they thought that they could. So guess why God said you in the need of a savior. And he already had Jesus coming, right? So we have to understand that sin was so rapid. Y'all, we're living in a fallen world, say folk. You're living in a fallen world where people think all of these things that's going on around them is normal. They're thinking, you know, fornication normal, adultery is normal, incest is normal, murder is normal, uh, stealing is normal. Everything that they think, all of this they're saying is normal. But when you come to Christ and learn who you are and know what he has done, then you know that's not acceptable. That ain't normal. That's not the way that we should live. So we, as the people of God, when we know what Jesus done, Jesus did not die, y'all, just to die. You got to understand, he did not die just to die. Jesus gave up his life for our life. That means there was a great exchange that was done. God knew that we could not save ourselves because we had Adam's nature on the inside of us. So he knew you can't save yourself. He said, I need someone that don't even know about sin. He who knew no sin became sin for us 
so that we could become the righteousness of God through him. Wow. We still depending on ourselves to get it right. When he made it right for us. So God says that there is life in the blood. This is why they had all those sacrifices. Because it had to be a blood sacrifice. Because he knew that there was life that was in the blood. So what did he do? He said, okay, I want you to do these rituals. I want you to do these sacrifices. Let me put this in here too. These people were so ignorant to sin that God had to set up stuff to show them clean and unclean. This is why he had different animals that they couldn't eat. This is why he had different things that they could not do. Because God was showing them what's clean and what's unclean. But when Jesus came, all of that stuff was going to change. But see, they were up under law. But we are up under grace. And that grace and truth came through his son. So I'm I'm a Go ahead through this. So we see how they had to do the sacrifices. Every time they committed a sin, they had to kill that perfect sacrifice, right? But God fixed that through who? His son. So when Jesus became the final sacrifice, y'all, and this is the thing I love, the word became flesh. Would you understand this? God had to take a virgin, a virgin that had not been with no man. And God had to take that version, use his blood. I want you to understand. I'm going to tell you why. He had to use his blood because his blood was pure. His blood was clean. It wasn't full of disease. It wasn't full of sin. It wasn't full of corruption. So he used his seed to produce the word because the word is pure. The word is clean. See, oh, y'all don't understand. That's why it takes the word to cleanse you. Nothing can cleanse you but the word because it's pure. It's been pure. Y'all come on now. See, when you know about the word, then that's the place that you should be in. So we know that Jesus come through Mary, right? He come through Mary. And when Jesus come out, understand this, the word became flesh. This is God taken on a fleshly body, became flesh and dwelt among us. God is so smooth. Because guess what? Okay, the word became flesh and we need somebody to die for us. Why ain't you just kill him once he popped out the womb? Throw him on the altar. Get it over with. Y- y'all ever thought about that? She carried him. Why ain't you just kill him after? Say, all right now, let's just pin him up, get it over with. He didn't do it. This is where I'm going. The reason why he did not do it, because he's showing you through him how you handle what's going on now on this earth. So he had to let his son fulfill everything before he went to the cross. So when Jesus was little, y'all, a little boy, y'all know what happened. He was getting taught his custom. His way, because he was what? A Jew. And he was getting taught their ways. And as he was getting taught their ways, guess what? He knew that he was different. But he was still getting taught their custom and their ways, but he was bringing grace and truth. So as he got older, y'all know, they left him behind. Where was he? In the temple. He was hearing. 
he was getting understanding and they were astounded by this little 12 year old boy what did he tell his mother when she found him he said don't you know about my father's business meaning didn't you you should have known i was going to be in my father's house duh you should know me better than anybody you carried me what did god say who did god say i was why wouldn't you think you would not have found me in the temple the mother okay we got that but guess what god had to do in order for jesus to carry out what God wanted him to carry out, he had to have the power from God to do it. Yeah, y'all know this, right? But God wanted to make it plain. He had to have power from on high to do what God would have him to do. Jesus was taught the word. Jesus knew the word. But without the power, then the word wouldn't be able to manifest the way it needs to manifest. So y'all know what happened. John the Baptist prepared the way for the coming Messiah. And after Jesus got baptized, that's when he began to preach that the kingdom of God has come nigh unto you. Repent. So what Jesus is saying is, this is where I'm going. Have a change of mind for the kingdom of God has come. So how were they going to have a change of mind? Because Jesus is coming to represent the kingdom and what the kingdom was bringing. But Jesus knew the only way you can get in that kingdom is through me. But he was bringing the kingdom. What am I saying to you? This is what we're missing. We're forgetting that the price has already been paid. Jesus already paid the price, but before he paid the price, he knew he was going to pay the price for sin. He knew that he had to die on the cross. He knew he had to be buried, but he had to rise again. If Jesus did not rise again, everything that Jesus died for wouldn't have meant anything. So he had to rise. This is why they always talked about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you can get that, Jesus did not die for you to be bound. Listen to me. Jesus did not die for you to be bound. When Jesus walked the earth, notice what he was doing. He was healing. He was delivering. He was setting the captives free. He was letting them know the kingdom has come to you. You don't have to live in bondage no more. You don't have to live up under Satan's domain no more. You don't have to live up under Satan's control no more. Because Satan was the God of this world. So if he's the God of this world, he has trained you according to the world. Now, I'm going to back up here. Now, we see that Jesus was bringing the kingdom, right? He was bringing healing. He was bringing deliverance. He was bringing joy. He was bringing prosperity. This is what salvation is. It's a total package. You're not just born again and just left just being born again. Once you get born again, then there's still things that you must know so you don't have to stay in the state that you're in. So this is what Jesus did. He was teaching them the way of the kingdom. But he had to have followers to teach them the kingdom so they'll teach others. So where am I going with this? Understand that the state that you're in now, you don't have to be in that state. And if you go into the word of God and you follow what Jesus done and um, based upon what was happening in people's lives, you will understand that this is what he want us to do. And Jesus is saying, because I have freed you. Let me go here. Look at 1 John 3. 1 John 3, and look at this verse 8. 
He that committed sin is of the devil, for the devil sinned from the beginning. For this is the purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. So Jesus came to do away with what? Sin. He came to do away with what was keeping us bound, what was keeping us in subjective to the enemy. Go with me to First, um, let me see, First Corinthians. I tell you what, Second Corinthians four. God's word is so good. I'm trying to bring it all in here, so I want to transform you. Second Corinthians four four. And whom the God of this world have blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. The enemy's job is to blind people's minds. If he can keep your mind blinded to the truth, guess what? Even though he's already made you free, you are saying, I'm not free. So he want to keep you blinded because he's the God of this world. Now, I'm going back to Satan tactics. Before you come to Christ, but you heard about him, but you decided that that's just not my cup of tea. I'm enjoying doing what I'm doing. See, you got to understand, sin lasts for what? A season. And so you got to understand, the enemy want to keep you in his territory. But Jesus came to set the captives free. Jesus came to loose whatever was bound. And that was his objective. You don't have to be in the state that you're in because the kingdom has come and the kingdom rules over all. I want you to understand this. God's kingdom rules over all. So Jesus was bringing the kingdom to them and let them know that God's kingdom is greater than the kingdom that's ruling. So Satan took authority and that made him the God of this world. So think about this, y'all. When you were born, you were conceived in what? Sin. You were shaped in iniquity. I'm going somewhere. So in your mother's womb, if your mother was out of whack, you out of whack. Because whatever your mother hear, whatever your mother perceive, whatever your mother think about, she's feeding you the same thing. If your mother's rejected, if your mother's in lust, if your mother's in murder, whatever your mother's in, it is in you. And that's how you're going to pop out. If your mother is stealing while she's pregnant, you're going to be a thief when you come out the womb. Because she is subjecting you to what she's doing. Let's say that mother is a loving mother. She nurtures her child while the child's in the womb, but she's not saved. So she makes sure that she, she eat right. And she does this because this is what the world is telling her she have to do to have a healthy baby. Yes, the baby is getting the right food and getting what the baby needs, but the baby is still subject to the world's way. So let's say she's dating a man that's a thug and don't care and that's doing everything. So guess what? The baby is still linked up to thug. Because you come together with the thug. You come together with someone that has lust in their generation, that have incest in their generation, that have murder in their generation. But your generation, guess what? Maybe they didn't have all of that, but you link to that with your child. So when that child come out, the enemy knows this. I already have 
your child. Guess what? This is why mother and father are supposed to protect their children. What they see. What they hear. You're supposed to be their protector because they're at an age that they don't know no better. So whatever you do, they're thinking I can do it. Don't you know a baby when a baby is little and you begin to speak into a baby's life and you begin to say mama, dada, they're hearing you speak words and they're hearing those words and all of a sudden mama. Now what if you said nigga, nigga, nigga. When that baby start talking, nigga, nigga, nigga. Because you're programming that baby. Or if you say a cuss word to that baby. And every time that baby hear the mama tell the daddy, you ain't uh. You ain't uh. You ain't uh. You ain't uh. Baby first word, you ain't uh. You ain't uh. And they laughing. Because that's the way of the world. You feeding that baby the way that you know is normal to you. So when that baby grow up, quit this mess. I don't know what happened. You what happened. Come on, let's, let's just be honest. You are what happened. The way you bring your children up, they model you. People know what family a person's in. By the way they carry themselves, by the way they act. They can even look at you and say, oh, I know who you are. I know who you belong to. You act just like your daddy. But you look like your mama. People know you. So those are the ways of the world. You got so custom to the way that the world does things, you think that's normal. So the enemy was building up that in you. That's what he was doing. To make you feel as if this is normal. But it's not. So let's say you hear the good news. You hear the gospel concerning Jesus Christ, concerning the kingdom, what Jesus have come to do. All of a sudden when you're hearing, because you're seeing certain patterns in your life that's not normal. When somebody tell you not to do, you're compelled to do even what they're telling you not to do. It's just a driving force in you to say, do it, do it, do it. You won't get caught. Do it, do it, do it. You won't get caught. Nobody's looking at you. That's the enemy's way. Matter of fact, the enemy has television programs. Everywhere you look, the enemy got his kingdom set up. He got it set up in stores. Come on, y'all. He got it set up in stores. He got it set up at gas stations. He got it set up at the movies. Everywhere you look, his kingdom is set up. And we have a place that we can come to the house of God where we can get kingdom, but we'd rather go to the mall we rather go hang out with our peeps. we rather do what the world is doing because it gives me something. But I'm here to tell you there's still a hole in your heart that the world cannot fulfill. Because the more money you get, the more money you want. The more sex you have, the more sex you want. The more you eat, the more food you want. The more you get a different car every year, the more cars you want. The more you see somebody dress in all kind of ways, the more you want to dress like never enough. There's a hole there. You can never be satisfied. Your appetite is never satisfied. That's the world, y'all. 
I'm telling you, this is why you have things happening that's being repeated over and over again. Have a loving wife, loving husband. Ain't enough. I need more. I need more than that. Have all nice clothes that you need. Ain't enough. I need the latest. Have a nice apartment. Ain't enough. I want a bigger house. I want a bigger place. Can he keep what you got? Never enough. On a good job. Ain't enough. Ain't making enough money. There's a void. There's a hole and you keep going after things, going after things, going after things. It's never enough. You keep trying to find a way to get what you want. You put off Peter to pay Paul to get a pocketbook. That pocketbook ain't enough. So you got to make arrangements with somebody else because your friend got a better purse. So you got to miss this bill to get the purse and walk around with a nice purse thinking you all this and you all that. And you still got something missing. Too big, too fat. Not enough. I ain't big enough. I'm too skinny. I need more hips. I need more butt. I need more boobs. Not enough. Never enough. Why? Because that's the way of the world. We're trying to still fit in Christians to what the world is doing. We ain't separated ourselves fully from the world. Because when you truly separate yourself, you are so content. It don't bother you when you don't get nothing. That's the God, God can trust that person. Because he said, don't bother you when things come up and you don't get nothing. It don't bother you to shut down stuff. It don't bother you because you know who you are. The church is so full of the world and ain't recognizing. Right in the church. That's why the world don't want to come in the house of God because they say the, the world is already, you want me to change. But when I come in, you're doing what I'm doing. Ain't no change. Where is this falling in at? When you don't know who you are. When you don't know the price that Jesus paid for you to become who you are. You didn't do it. He paid the price for your redemption. He paid the price for you to be free. We got people in the scripture when it said, let the redeemer of the Lord say so. You saying so and don't know so. I'm free. You ain't talking like you're free. You ain't living like you're free. And you ain't acting like you're free. So you may be free, but you don't know you're free yet. Because a person who have experienced freedom know what to do when the enemy is pouncing. So we're looking at this. I'm going to go back to the main scripture I went over. But I had to put all of this in there to let y'all know the effects of sin again. That's on people's lives. If you're hanging around somebody and you save and you see what they're doing, and it's bothering you because you can't do what they're doing. You done stepped out of position. You've been focusing too much on them instead of focusing on what the word of God has to say about the new you. We got too many people in the body of Christ is trying to be something that they should not be trying to be. You need to be who you are now that you're in Christ. Jesus shed his blood to do away with sin, y'all. He paid the price for sin because sin separated us from a loving father. 
And God loved us so much, he had to do away with sin by laying down the life of his son. So we can come to God through his son. That's his love. But God took me somewhere. Go with me to Isaiah 53. Y'all, this is serious. This is deep. And when we understand how serious and how deep it is, we'll quit whining and complaining. And we'll use what we got. Listen at this right here. This is what Jesus done. When it starts off from verse 1 to verse um, 3, it said, Who have believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? That report is the doctrine that we bring. That report is the good news of the kingdom. It said, who have believed our report? For he shall grow up. It's telling about Jesus' lifestyle, how he's growing up. And verse 3 is telling that he was despised and he was rejected. Guess what? When you are bringing the gospel of the kingdom, the good news concerning what Jesus have done for the whole world, his death, burial, and resurrection, you're going to be despised. You're going to be rejected. You're going to be talked about. You're going to be ridiculed. You're going to go through some anguish. You're going to go through some pains. You're going to go through some sorrow because of what you believe. Jesus was amongst them and they did not even recognize because there were too much in the world. But look at this, verse 3, 4. Listen at this. Surely he have borne our griefs that show sicknesses, that's your diseases. That means he took them and carried out sorrows. A sorrow is an anguish. It is an affliction. It is things that you go through in your mind. It is anything that you can think of. Jesus took it. He carried it for you. And they said they didn't even extend him. We hit, one minute. Yet we did extend him, stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. People were saying, that's what he deserved. But he was doing it for us. This is where I'm going. But he was wounded for our transgression. I'm going to go over transgression again. Transgression is a trespass. When it means that he was wounded, he was pierced through. That means he was tore open, y'all, for our trespass. The skin was broken. You could see the meat. He was wounded for our transgression. A transgression is a breaking of the law. That means that when you know what the word of God is saying and you do opposite to what the word of God is saying, that's transgression. Let's stop right there. We, as saved folks, go back into something that he was wounded for. When we know the word tell us, do not gossip. You know that there's a stop sign, but you go through the stop sign. That's a breaking of the law. You do it every time. You get to the same spot, you go right through it. You, you, you break the law. You know what the law says, but you don't do it. That's disobedience, right? That's a transgression. Guess what he did? He died. He was wounded for your transgressions because he knew you were going to break him. He knew that you could not live up to his standards. He knew all of this. So Jesus said, I'm going to take care of all your transgressions. Because I don't care how saved you say you are. The spirit is the real you. That's the only part of you that don't mess up. But your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, you're going to mess up on a daily basis. So I'm going to die for every trespass that you would ever do. 
Then it says, it goes on to say, he was bruised for our iniquities. Let me tell you what a bruise is. The bruise is under the skin. You see it on top, but it's under. That iniquity goes through the generations. That means you know you don't supposed to be doing all this incest, but you keep doing it, you keep doing it, you keep doing it, and it goes from generation to generation to generation. It becomes normal to you. You know that you don't supposed to commit adultery. You know all of these things, but you keep doing it, you keep doing it, you keep doing it, it becomes a part of you. You hook up with somebody else, going through the generation. The Bible says he was bruised for your iniquity. Because he knew, I'm going to cover it all. He said, your sin is where you're falling short, where you're missing the mark. We have all fallen short to the glory of God. You got sins, you got transgressions, and you got iniquities. Jesus said, I'm going to wipe them all clean. Wait a minute, y'all better think about that. He said, I'm going to get rid of the incest. I'm going to take it to the cross. I'm going to get rid of all this stuff that's behind incest. I'm going to get rid of rape. I'm going to get rid of AIDS. I'm going to get rid of cancer. I'm going to get rid of mental illness. I'm going to get rid of everything. I'm going to get rid of porn. I'm going to get rid of every sin that had you bound. I'm going to take it with me. I want y'all to understand. He took, he took all of this depression. He took all of this with him. He took every disease and sickness that doctors don't know about that would pop up. He said, I'm going to take it. He didn't have thorns in his head for no reason. He didn't have that in his head for no reason. From the top of his head to the soles of his feet, there was blood. Guess what? There was blood. He said, surely without the shedding of blood, there's no remissions for sin. He said, if blood ain't shed, ain't nothing happening. Oh, y'all don't get it. He said, if my blood wasn't shed, you would still be in the situation you in. He said, my, oh, guess what? He took care of inside and out. That's the bruises on the inside. The parts that you couldn't see. Where he got afflicted, y'all, from inside out. He was so unrecognizable. Because he took everything. He took everything. He took everything. He took everything. This is why when he walked in on the scene, they knew about the blood. They knew what the blood did. They couldn't do nothing but bow down. I know who you are. How can a demon recognize him and we can't? When we walk in a room, demons supposed to tremble. You know why they supposed to tremble? Because he got them watching you. Oh, he know the day people being delivered. Because of the blood, it wasn't because of you. It wasn't because of your begging and your pleading. He said your begging and pleading can't save you. He said it's going to take the blood. So when they beat him like they beat him, Jesus did this for us. 
The father did it for us, but the greatest thing was, he said it only had to be done once. One time. Once and for all. He said, I'm going to do away with all of this stuff once and for all. He said, when I deal with this once and for all, guess what? It's a done deal. But for you to benefit from what I already done, you got to accept what I already done. He already had it over here for us. He commended his love for us. Even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Y'all, this is what's happening in the world. Right now, I'm looked at as a too holy person. A person that ain't living life. A person that's stuck on being so holy, I don't do nothing. You know why I'm looked at like that? Because this is who I am. Be ye holy? Because I am holy. And holy ain't with a cloth on my head. Holy is my actions. Because if I know I have been made holy, set apart by the blood of Jesus, that's sanctification. That means once you get justified, made righteous through Jesus Christ, guess right, and know who you are, you're going to live a sanctified life. First, you got to know about justification. If you don't know about justification, you can't live a sanctified life. People are trying to live holy and be holy and don't even know you've been justified. We don't know that we've been made righteous, but here we are with long skirts, tripping and a dipping, handkerchiefs on our head, trying to live separated and don't know you've been made righteous because if you knew, this wouldn't be on your head. That ain't going to justify you. You can still open your legs and have babies. But people are setting up their standards, their way of being right. That's not God's way. God's way of being right is Jesus' way of being right. And the only way you made right is through him. I don't care what good you do. That ain't going to make you right. People looking at because people do good, they're going to heaven. That's the lie. See, that's deception. People can do good, don't drink, don't smoke, don't curse. But if they have not accepted Jesus, they're bound for hell. Your good works is not going to get you in the kingdom. Just because you see somebody talking all nice, being all nice, that's all well and good. But do you know Jesus? No, I never heard of Jesus. But let me tell you about Jesus because all this good stuff you're doing down here ain't going to connect you to the kingdom. They don't talk about nobody. They don't go out. They don't sleep around. Oh, yeah, but do they know Jesus? Everything that look good ain't good. And the only way you're going to know it is with the help of the Holy Ghost. We got too many people dying. While church folks are looking at it like it's normal. Nobody have to die before their time. So we're looking at the word of God and we see what Jesus came to do, y'all, right? Jesus stood up and he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he have anointed me to what? Preach the gospel. He, have, he, he, he preached the gospel. What? What else did he do? He healed. He delivered. 
He set the captives free. He preached the acceptable year of the Lord, which was the salvation. Jesus did all of that stuff. He healed the broken heart. Those that was broken hearted in sorrow and pain and anguish, Jesus didn't leave them like that. He brought the kingdom to them. What do we do? We pass by somebody. It'll be all right, baby. Keep it on going. And what do people tell you? Don't touch me. They so hurt. They so down. They're going through, but when the power of God enter the scene and you begin to tell them what the word says, you can't tell them what the word said if you don't have the word in you. That's why the enemy wants you not to have an appetite for it. Because everywhere you go, you're supposed to do what Jesus done. You're supposed to represent him here on earth. You're supposed to bring the kingdom to earth. So let's see what's going on here. Go back to Luke. Y'all back there? Luke. Luke 13, what did Jesus do? It said, and behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity. That spirit of infirmity was a sickness. But that spirit of infirmity, the spirit that was over that sickness was coming from Satan. And the Bible says that she had it for 18 years. And it said that she had it for 18 years and was bowed together and could not in no wise lift herself. This woman was like this, looking at nothing but the ground for 18 years. She saw nothing but ground. But when the word come in on the scene, Jesus knew that ain't normal. That ain't the way I created her to be. And that ain't the way she's going to be. Because God has given me power. He's given me right that whatever I see that's outside of what he created or the way that he is supposed to be don't supposed to stay that way. So Jesus told the woman, woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. Jesus knew that it was Satan that was holding her in that sickness. Some sicknesses is not because of being sick. Some sicknesses come because the devil have you bound. I want you to understand this. Some people, people that do not know Jesus, can be demon-possessed. That means that it's a demon there that's possessing them to do what they do. But once you get born again and you truly accept Jesus with your whole heart, you cannot be possessed with no demon because the Holy Spirit, two kingdoms divided, a kingdom divided against itself should fall. God ain't sharing his kingdom with no devil. Amen. Who told you that you could be saved and be demon possessed? That's a lie. A demon can oppress you, can influence you, but he cannot possess you because the Holy Ghost, you're the temple Amen. of the Holy Spirit. That means, so if the devil is, if people are telling you, you are possessed by a demon, that's what it is. No, if you're born again, you cannot be possessed. You may be oppressed. You may be harassed by that demon. He may be holding you in bondage because it's due to your way of thinking. It is not because you're possessed. So understand that this lady here was held in bondage because Jesus told them, why should this lady not be set free who Satan has held in bondage for this many years? He knew Satan was behind this infirmity. 
So he laid hands on her and the woman was loose. What am I saying to you today? You can loose yourself. You don't have to wait on nobody to loose you from nothing. This is why you need to come to Bible study. You need to come to church services. You need to be informed of who you are now that you're in Christ and the power and the authority that you need even to loose yourself. See, God didn't um, give you authority and power for you to be whining and complaining all the time. He gave you this so you can recognize first thing you have to do, and God is telling me I'm dealing with strongholds too. A stronghold is an area in your life you held in bondage due to your way of thinking. Now, remember I told you once you get saved, the enemy had to loose you because the kingdom took the place of the demonic. So you were loose from that kingdom of darkness. You was translated into what? The kingdom of light. So your spirit is the part that shut off. The enemy can't touch that. That's the part of you that got free. That's the part of you that got born again. But being that you were in these things for so many years, I'm going to use incest. Incest is where family members are having sex with one another and babies are produced from that. That's incest. You got cousins married to cousins. You got uh, dads um, having incest with their daughters. You got mothers having incest with their sons, and they're saying it's normal because this is how they were raised. This is what they were accustomed to. They don't see nothing wrong with it. So this is what's going on. So let's say you have a person that got saved. Okay, that spirit got born again. It got new. You belong to the kingdom of God. But that incest left behind habits, left behind way of thinking, way of doing. So the enemy is going to use that ground to keep you in bondage, to harass you. Let me tell you this, incest. When you deal with incest, you know it is wrong. But you got images in your head that took place before you got saved. You got images in your head being with your brother, your sister, your cousin. The enemy is reminding you. Do you remember when you and your cousin got together? When you start thinking of it, let me tell you what's happening. He's in your soulish realm. Okay, you're thinking about it, right? But then after you're thinking about it, you're getting feelings behind it. Your body begins to react. There's a feeling. There's an emotion behind that. Guess what he's using? Your five senses. Your soul is rim, your mind, your will, and your emotion. So when you begin to think about a thing, you're going to begin to feel it as you're thinking about it. Is that not right? Whatever you think about is what you're going to become. So the enemy is putting that there. Do you remember when you slept with your cousin? Do you remember where y'all were? Do you remember how this happened? Do you remember? Wonder what he or she is doing right now. You getting that feeling. Then all of a sudden, if you don't do something with what you're thinking and what you're feeling, you're going to call them up. Hey, guys, what you doing? Like it's normal. And you're getting ready to commit that act against Satan. You know why? He got a stronghold there. He was building that stronghold. So when you accepted Christ, he got some leverage to oppress you with. Let me say it again. I'll do it again. Let's go to pornography. You love yourself some pornography. Daddy and son watching pornography, making a man out of that son. Making sure that son don't go, you know, the other way. 
So come on, son, let me show you something. This, I want to show you something. Putting in tapes, watching all this pornography, watching all this nasty. Son buying books, young age, starting at age 12, I'm going to make you into a man. He made the, him into a rapist. Because all the son did was look at porn. All the son did was when women passed by him, he saw more than what he saw. So he was going into the act. So guess what? The son gets saved after all these years. But all this stuff coming into this person, the son gets saved. Remember, the spirit is what was made new. He's free from that. Son don't know that he's already free. So the enemy is using that by saying, images is already there. He got the images already in his head. So everywhere he looked, even in church, he's seeing porn. Pastor preaching, porn. Seeing stuff that he shouldn't be seeing and it's tearing him up. And he's trying to sweep it like, I'm saved, I'm all right. I'm all right, I'm, I'm, I'm saved. That's all he's saying, I'm saved. This go on and on and on, and it began to oppress them to the point they can't sleep, to the point they can't eat, to the point they ain't feeling accepted. Because if you don't close that door, the enemy done got something else coming in behind it. So y'all better understand what I'm saying. And it get bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's just like you have a compulsion. You, you, you just compel. You're just, just driving to do that. And you say, well, God, I know I accepted you, but why am I compelled to do this? Because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So does he become. Y'all got to understand, the enemy know your weakness. He watched you. You were in his kingdom before you come to God. He know your weakness. So he planted seeds. But when you get born again, you are in the kingdom of God, but it's still some residue that was left in your soul, in your mind. That's in your, yeah, it's sitting there. And the enemy's going to bring it back up through situations. So I'm going somewhere else. Ask your neighbor, say, you got time to hit a rest. If you don't, we have three to four doors. But I prefer you use them. Amen. God is here to help you. He's here to set the captive free. Go with me to Ephesians. Now remember, y'all, a stronghold is an area in your life you held in bondage due to your way of thinking. Now some of us may not recognize our strongholds. And the reason why we don't recognize them because they have become so much a part of us, we think it's normal. Because a, how do you recognize a stronghold? It is a pattern. It is something that you keep doing over and over again. And in that pattern, you can't rest. In that pattern, you can't sleep. In that pattern, you get anxious. You get nervous. You get fearful. If there's something that the enemy is holding on you, when that's talked about, you feel yourself shivering inside. You feel yourself, I don't want to hear that. You know the devil got a hold of you in that area. So that's why, as a man thinketh, so does he become. Look at Ephesians um. What did I tell you to go? Two, I'm sorry. Ephesians chapter two, listen at this. This is what you got to know. And you have he quickened, quickened me, made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. God has quickened us. He has made us alive. Who was what? Dead in trespasses and sins. Where in time past, ye walked according to what? The course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. That's who you were. That's how you walked. That's how you lived. That's how you conducted your life. Listen at this. 
among whom also we all had our conversations, lived in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But I like verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherein he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, have quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved. So what am I telling you? Remember it said in time past you walked in lust, the lusts of the flesh. So you walked in that in times past, but guess what? Anything you walked in is what you were living. That's what you did. That's what you lived. That's how you live. When you get born again, y'all, guess what? You have been set free from the power of darkness, but the things that was holding you, keeping you in bondage is still in your head. It's still a part of you in your soulish area. This is what I warn people about. Let me tell you something. I have to go here with marriage. Men say they love their wives. Men? I guess they don't. Everybody, I'm waiting on these men. Nobody's saying that women don't slap them just yet. That's a stronghold coming up. So men say they love their wives. Love their wives. But if a man haven't cleansed themselves, just because you're born again, you need cleansing on a daily basis. That cleansing comes through the word of God. This is why I always go over um, Romans 12, 1 and 2. It says that by us knowing the mercies of God, we can make our bodies a living sacrifice. When you know God's mercy, when you know his grace, when you load in his loving kindness, when you know what he's done for you, you can, your body can be a living sacrifice. And it comes through being transformed, changed in your mind. But it said you can't be conformed to this world. So a man can say he loved his wife. I really love my wife. I appreciate my wife. But if that man have not cleansed himself from fornication, if that man has not cleansed himself from adultery, if that man has not cleansed himself from lust, from perversion, if he has not done that through the word of God, you're going to be tempted with a weakness that you had before you married that woman. This is why before you get married, you need to check yourself. You need to go into counseling if it takes two years to get yourself in a place that if a naked woman walk before you, you can flee from that because you know who you are. If you don't know who you are before you get married, women, you got some messed up I'm just putting it there. Continuation on Father's Day. If these men or women don't cleanse themselves with the word of God, you can say you in love. That's what you in. But when you know the love of the Father and what he done from you, whatever come in your face, because you know his love, you're going to flee from that, and you ain't going to sit there and look at it for a while to get a self-image. No, you're not. You're going to flee that quick, fast, and in a hurry, or a man that has really developed himself is going to say, look at here. You don't have to be who the enemy want to project you to be. That's not who God created you to be. First of all, go put on some clothes because it don't look right. You don't want all this? No, I don't want it. I got enough at home. Put on some clothes. With authority. And I'm going to make sure you get the help that you need. Not from me, but from a woman. 
a person who really have changed, he's going to stand up there and lust and like a dog, wishing they can have it and saying they're backing off from it, but go home and not want to go to bed with your wife because of what you've seen. Now I need some sexual healing, please. <laughs> this is what's happening. Men looking at other women, then coming home and want to have that woman through their wife. Women looking at other men, now they're ready to have sex with their husband because they saw a honk. Coming through the television. Coming through the music you hearing. Got to turn on sexual healing before you can go home with your wife or your husband. Scronghold. Got to do all of that. To do what you got to do. But I love my husband. I love, well, why you have to use worldly means to turn yourself on to be with him? But guess what? Before you got married, it wasn't no problem with being with him. Got with him every chance you can get in the field, in the car, in your mom and daddy house. Everywhere you can go, you got with him. Now you got him, and I don't want that. You done had too much of it. I'm telling you about strongholds in your mind. I'm telling you about stuff that the enemy used to hold you, to keep you in bondage, to oppress you, even while you're saved. You don't think this is happening? Yes, it's happening in the church, and people don't want to face up to it. And then when they get caught, now they're remorseful. You should be remorseful before you got caught. But you got to want to let this stuff go. You got to want, okay, we talked about the soul, the mind, the will, and the emotions. Remember, here go your mind. You're thinking about it. You don't cast it down. Now it becomes a feeling. Now you got a choice. That's your will. And when your will kick in and you choose to do it, your body's going after it. Three-part being. Spirit, soul, and body. I could tell my husband all day long, I love you, baby. I love you, baby. But deep down on the inside, if I got a problem with lust, then I can tell him I love him, but I'm thinking about somebody else. That's a lie. See, the enemy done got lies in there. It's time to rid ourselves. You can lose yourself. First of all, you got to identify what's holding you. How do I identify? He gave me the Holy Spirit, y'all. I take the time and say, Holy Spirit, I got a problem. I need help through getting through this problem. I can't do this on my own. I know I have accepted Jesus, but it's some baggage that's still attached to me. And it's making me sick. I can't sleep. I can't think. I can't eat. Everywhere I go, I'm putting on a mask because I'm making people feel a certain way. And that's just not me. I'm tired of living this way. I have an issue. And everywhere I go, nobody seems to understand what I'm saying. God's understanding you today, baby. God said you got a stronghold that need to be rooted up through the word of God. And the more you grab hold of that root, the devil going to turn up the heat. He's going to make you feel like it ain't working. But the more you say, this is what God's word said. Don't you know? Let me tell y'all something. Man cannot cure you, but the word can. I don't care how good they are. It gets to a point where they leave you to yourself. They leave you to die. And that's when people really turn to Jesus. 
They keep giving you option after option after option. Let me ask y'all something. Don't y'all know a merry heart does good like what? But a what? A broken spirit dries up what? The enemy know if I can get you in brokenness. If I can oppress you in a certain weakness, just keep bringing it on, bringing it on, bringing it on. Guess what? You ain't going to have a merry heart. You're going to be weak. And if I can get you weak, then I'm going to bring some more boys in behind that. See, the enemy know if I can't get you with this, I got a backup. You know why? Because you left the door open. God is saying it's time for us to loose ourselves. And God has given you the weapons to loose you. He's saying today some of us don't even realize we're in bondage. We think we're okay. If you have a repeated um, problem of offense and nobody can't talk with you without you putting up a wall, then guess what? It's a stronghold of offense there. If you got a repeated problem of every time you turn around, you feel like, oh, nobody want to be around me. Oh, I'm left out. Oh, I got to do this to be accepted. Oh, 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 this is what I'm going to do. Then that's rejection. If you're always explaining yourself because you want people to see what you really do, that's rejection. If that's repeated all the time and repeated all the time, that is rejection, y'all. How do I know? I had it. Because you want to be loved. You want people to see who you really are. You want people to see what you can do. I've been there, done that. Rejection bring a lot of things with it. Incest bring a lot of things with it. Perversion bring a lot of things with it. Offense bring a lot of things with it. This is why we're dealing with these things in church because we don't want to deal with them. We want to cover it up with the mask and say, you know, that's not me. That's not me. But the more people talk to you, that's you. You don't even see yourself. You don't see your hurts. You don't see your disappointments. You don't see how the enemy is setting you up for failure. If you don't, Paul gave us the remedy through the word. The weapons of your warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. Why did he put strongholds there? Because it's fortresses in the front of your mind that's holding you in bondage due to your way of thinking and everything that you think about ain't lining up with the word because the word can't penetrate because you believe the lie instead of believing the truth. And this is what God is bringing today. God said, loose yourself from addiction. Loose yourself from pornography. Loose yourself from adultery. Loose yourself from fornication. Loose yourself from ill will. Loose yourself from offense. Loose yourself from greed. Loose yourself from covetousness. You loose yourself because he has given you what you need to loose you if you want to be loosed. You can't say, Jesus, loose me. You have the blood of Jesus. Be loosed. We waiting on God. We spending too much time in the bed. Lord, if you hear me, Lord, please. And God is saying, like he told Paul, Lord, take this thorn out of my side. It was in his flesh. Just keep buffeting me. I asked you three times, God. Why won't you take it? I'm tired of dealing with it. God said, Paul, my strength is made perfect in your weakness, and my grace is sufficient. What am I saying to y'all today? We're spending too much time begging and pleading with God. What you should be doing is getting up and using what God has given you. You cannot use human weapons. 
He said you cannot use fleshly weapons for this battle that you're in. The war is in our mind. Y'all hear me? This is the truth. When you think sickness, what do your body do? It projects sickness. When you think loneliness, what your body do? Feel lonely. When you think about things outside of the word, what happens to your body? It began to feel that way. It began to, I'll give you an example. I'm going to give you something easy. Pepsi. 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 What you see? See what you see? What you see? Come up here. Come up here. I'm going to show you. Come up here. I'm going to show you something. Y'all, this is real. This is no joke. This is real stuff. Honey, hand me that mic. Okay, Athea, I'm saying Pepsi. Tell me what you see. I see a glass of ice with that dark Pepsi in it, and I see the little bubbles. How you feel? I want it. (laughs) Okay, I put a thought there, right? She did what with that thought? She took it. She took that thought. As she took that thought, guess what? Pepsi was already a part of her. She got an image immediately. It was right there. She could see it going in the ice. She could see it sizzling on that ice. She can say in her mind, I can't wait till this is over so I can have me a glass of Pepsi. And the button, you're getting happy. You're getting happy. You feel happy. You feel happy, girl. She happy. So that tells me I'm going somewhere, Thea. Guess what? If she's feeling that happy and she feeling like she got to have it and she got to go get it, it's become a God. That's idolatry. The enemy sets you up for failure. Anything that your taste buds rear up in and it sucks you in and it makes you feel like I got to have it if I don't get it, then something is wrong. You made that your God. You put that before God. Things God allow you to have, but he said, don't let those things have you. If something that you want and you trying to make a way to get it, then that's idolatry. Because you putting that above, some people say, pastor, there ain't no idolatry. Mm-hmm. If God is telling you no, and you still going to get it, what you call it? You can't hear God to say, Athea, you don't need that Pepsi. I I, I hear what you're saying, but one more ain't going to hurt me. One more might be your last. So what am I saying today? There are things in our lives that stir us up more than God. There are things that we're more accepted to and have adapted ourselves to. The Bible said don't be adapted to this world. Don't be conformed to this world. Anytime you make up your mind, I don't care how bad the situation is, when you make up your mind, I ain't putting up with this, you're still going to have them feelings from it. But when you say, I ain't putting up with this no more, because God, this is not how you created me to be. Go back to Daniel. Remember Daniel, he refused to eat from the king's table. The Bible say he purposed in his heart that he was not going to be defiled by what the king was bringing. And guess what? 
God gave Daniel favor because he knew his heart. When God know your heart, when he know you willing to let it go, God will come in with an anointing. God will come in and give you what you need to get through what you're going through. God know your heart. And I'm going to be honest. Some people don't want to let it go because they feel like if I let it go, then I'm letting a part of me go that's making me. That's not God. That's a lie from the enemy. God says it's time to loose yourself. And the first part of loosening yourself is identifying what you're going through. Identify, admit it. And I ain't talking about admitting it and quitting it. Yeah, we're going to admit it. But it's going to take time for you to quit it. Some people ain't going to just quit cold turkey. It takes time. It's, it's, it's a process. The enemy want us to think we're crazy. The enemy want us to think we can't make it. The enemy want us to think, yes, I'm married now, but I can still have a man. I can still have a woman. I still got it going on. Men still love me outside of my husband. Because you know why that happens? Because if you've been out there and you've been lusting and carousing and doing what you do, that husband can't satisfy you. You wear him out and he still can't satisfy you. You still want more. Why? Because that has, that's your flesh. And the flesh have to be dealt with. Miracle Temple, quit putting people down. We have all fallen short, but because of Jesus Christ, we can go to the Father. No matter what stronghold you have in your life, the word is your weapon. And through strongholds, strongholds bring fear. Because fear will paralyze you. It'll put you in a place that your body feel like it's trembling. It feel like it can't make it. So you know you're dealing with fear. What you going to do with it? I rebuke you. In the name of Jesus. Because God didn't give me the spirit of fear. But the power of love. And of a sound mind. You leave right now in Jesus name. Are you going to get tried in that area again? Yes sir. Yes ma'am. The enemy. Guess what? Go to Matthew 4. The enemy tried Jesus to the end. Jesus quoted the word. He spoke the word. And the Bible says he left him for a season. Y'all ain't giving the enemy time to leave. (laughs) The Bible says submit to God. You got to submit to God first. And the enemy will flee. You want to leave me alone, Satan. Leave me alone. He going to leave you alone because he know he got you. But Satan become afraid of you. When you know who you are. When you don't know who you are, he said, I still got you because you don't even know who you belong to. Because right now you're belonging to me because everything I ask you to do, you're doing it. So how you say you're part of God's kingdom and you're still out here doing your thing? If you really want to change, you can change, but you got to want to. So y'all, we're dealing with the mind now. Your spirit is already saved, but your mind got to be renewed in these areas that, you, that you're weak. Some people say, I ain't weak. I see you a mile off. Some people can be around you lusting. Lusting. That's why you address that lust. Face up. You lusting, Damon. You leave right now. You don't even supposed to be in my presence. You talking to me, apostle. I'm talking to that lusting demon that you allowing to oppress you. That's who I'm talking to. Because I don't fight against flesh and blood. Put on your whole armor. When you put on your whole armor, you won't give the enemy a foothold. You put up your shield of faith to block the fiery dots of the wicked one. 
Because if your shield of faith is not up, your trust and reliance in God, when he shoots you, he's going to hit you somewhere. When he hits you somewhere and get an opening in there, he gonna everything else is going to come in. The Bible said, don't give him a foothold. So every day you got to be dressed for battle. Do I just say I have the armor? No, I live like the armor is on. My helmet of salvation is protecting my mind. Did not Jesus have it on? The thorn. He had on that helmet. But the first thing they put on was the belt of truth. Sanctify me in truth. Thy word is truth. If you don't have on truth, you can't hold up the breastplate of righteousness. Without the belt, you can't put nothing else on. So when you put on the belt of truth, then you're going to recognize I am the righteousness of God. My righteousness is not in me. It's in Jesus Christ. I have been made righteous through him, not through me. He who knew no sin become righteousness on my behalf. You put on that righteousness. And then guess what else you're going to do, y'all? You're going to put on the shoes of the gospel of peace. The gospel is what brings peace. Them shoes never wear out. So you putting them on. Then after you put on that, what are you going to put on? You got the, the shield of faith. It's going to block everything that the enemy is trying to do because you have faith in God and not in yourself. Then you're going to put on that helmet of salvation. And as you put on that, it's protecting your mind. I have the mind of Christ. I know who I am now that I am in Christ Jesus. You know that belt carries that sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So you well in that sword. You well in that sword. And then guess what? Don't forget prayer. You got to pray without ceasing. You got to always be in prayer. Watch as well as pray. What am I telling y'all, Miracle Temple? We're in a battle, and people are getting hit left and right. And if we don't go into that word and ask the Lord, Lord, show me what the enemy is holding with me. Somebody else is going to get hit by you. You're going to tear up the house of God through your mess, and we got to deal more with your mess than we're dealing with people that really need help. God is saying today, you can lose yourself. You got what you need. Jesus loosed them. To let us know I have given you the same power and right when you come upon somebody with that, you call it just like it is. You set the captives free. But when it comes to you, you can loose yourself. After you become saved and knowing who you are, when stuff come upon you, say, loose me. I bind you. I'm going to leave this. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Y'all ain't lying. I can stay here all day. All day. I sat in my office yesterday for 12 hours. Sat there so long my behind was hurting. I ain't lying. Got up out of there. I took me a break. Went on the porch. Sat out there. My baby there, Ariel. She she's so sweet. She cooked for me and everything. Come back in. Sat in the living room. Left out the living room. Laid in the bed and still meditating. Jesus, I'm telling you, y'all, this mind is something. God took me to a scripture in the Word of God, and I'm gonna close as the Holy Ghost permit. But if you have to leave, go ahead. With Elijah, some of us want to be like Elijah, right? <laughs> You got more than Elijah had. Elijah brought the word of God. He done what God told him to do. He spoke the word. Oh, Elijah was a, was a man of the word. There would be no rain for three years. No rain. Elijah had to speak a word again for rain to come. After he done all that and defeated the prophets of, of, of Baal, y'all, this is funny. He left and here come Ahab, a messenger, sending him a word from Jezebel. <laughs> 
Y'all know who Jezebel is. She don't like prophets. So Jezebel going to get what Jezebel wants. She said, if your life don't be like the life of the ones you slain by tomorrow, she was letting him know, I'm going to kill you. Elijah saw what she was saying, and he ran for his life. Come on, this is a man that said it wasn't going to be no rain. We got a lot of Elijahs in here. I don't know about you. You speak a word one day, next thing you know, the enemy said, watch what I do. Oh, Jesus. So that shows you Elijah had a place in his life that wasn't covered. But even in the midst of where Elijah was, God still helped Elijah. He, he fed him. He sent an angel to feed him. Did he not? He told him, this is what I want you to do. He said, you got to finish this mission. You got to go anoint the next successor. You got to do these things. So Elijah had to cover his head to hear what God had to say. What am I telling you? God have not given up on you. Right in the midst of your situation, feel like you ain't getting no breakthrough. Feel like it ain't working. The devil is steady just hitting at you and hitting at you and saying things. But guess what? The Bible says you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Who is the truth? Jesus is the truth. He is the word. The word is the truth. The more truth you know, the more freer you get. Truth prevail over a lie, y'all. That's not what the word says. Yes, it looks like that, but that's not what the word says. God's word says this, and this is what I'm going on. The word of God, the word of life. I'm not going on how I feel. I'm going on what the word is saying. Get in the word. Let the word get into you. Quit acting out of selfishness. Quit acting out of pride. Quit acting out of these works of the flesh. That's what the enemy is using to build strongholds, the works of the flesh. Because all of us in this room got a weakness. And if you don't cover this weakness by the word of God, the enemy is going to use that to stop you from carrying out what God has for you. Put on the whole armor of God. Don't just say it, but know what this armor is put there to do. Wear it every day. It comes through the word. God is saying, loose yourself. He's teaching us to teach you to loose yourself. Can God use you while you're still going through? Yeah. But it ain't going to be as effective as it need to be. You can deliver and cast out demons. And that demon says, I know you lust. I know who you are. And you'll be afraid and you'll back off that demon and let it run. Because yourself ain't got cleansed in that area. It's time for us to sit down and be real. And deal with these issues in our lives. Because I'm going to tell you something, Miracle Temple. As I see it, my job is to root it up to tear it down, to overthrow, to build and plant. And you may not like me, but I'm telling you, I don't care. Because if he's given me, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to root up and tear down. And that's what I'm going to do. And that's what I come here to do today, to tell you, you're getting too much word, to stay in the place that you're in. God say, loose yourself. And you can do it through the word of God. Come on, give God a hand clap of praise. <laughs> Hallelujah. Who God says is free is free indeed. Amen. Who the son sets free. Did he set you free? Yeah. Were well, you free indeed?
So don't let the enemy oppress you. Oppression is a weight that the enemy put on you in areas of your life. You know how somebody, he's showing me a, um, you, you know, when you go to a junkyard and they have one of them things that press the cars down, they have to keep pressing and pressing and pressing. And then you look at that car, it don't look like a car no more. That's what the enemy does to you in areas. He keep pressing you in that weak area to bring you to your lowest point where you feel like there ain't no help for me. The devil is a liar. Um, Jesus went around doing good, and God anointed him. He had the power of the Holy Ghost to do what? Heal all those that were oppressed of the devil, that was weighed down. If you weigh down in your finances, feel like you ain't going to have nothing, y'all know that's a stronghold. Some people don't give because they have a fear of lack. And if you don't deal with that fear of lack, you will hold other people back from giving because you will make an excuse and you'll talk about me more because you got a fear of lack. Y'all, I got it. I got it. That's why I love you. But I got to tell you what's holding you. There's a fear of lack at Miracle Temple. That's why I'm getting knocked, well, trying to get knocked down, trying to shut me up because people got a fear of lack in their life. So they're bringing, blaming their fear of lack on me. That's what's happening. Because you're afraid if you give to me or give to somebody else, you ain't going to have nothing. That's a stronghold in your life. And until that stronghold is uprooted, you're going to go talk about me to get people to turn away from me because of your fear of lack. That's a stronghold. I'm helping you. People who have lust spirits, they will put that off on somebody else to get people to look at somebody else and you're the one with that lust. Because you want them off your back. Come on, God already know your game. Strong man, his name and his game. This is what happened. So if you ever see a person to try to make you look bad, it's because they got a problem in that area. Rejection will make somebody else look bad so they can shine. Rejection, y'all, it's deep. It is so deep. This is why the Holy Spirit, through discerning the spirits, he allowed me to see, if he anointed me in this area, and I see you in this area, I'm going to hit you. I'm going to tell you what's going on. Amen. Now, once I tell you, it's up to you if you want to be delivered or not. But if you don't want to be delivered, I ain't got time to mess with you. I ain't got time for you to mess with nobody else. You're going to sit your behind down. Amen. True. True that. Really? True that. <laughs> this is the truth. You got to want to, you got to admit it. You can't quit nothing until you admit it. We got too much mess in that and quit trying to justify your fornication. I'm grown. I'm grown. I can go to anybody's house I want to go to. The problem is when you get in the house, you don't need to get in the bed. You know you're going there to get in the bed anyway. I don't care. I can admit my mess. But if you admit it, quit it if you're saved. That ain't who you are now. That's who you want to be. And guess what? Once you get up and you admit it and ready to quit it, AIDS pop up. Now you at the altar scratched out. Oh, Jesus! Jesus, can you hear me? You got people that's infected. That's drawing people in the bedroom. And won't tell you they're infected. Then you get a call from an official. Can't tell you who it is. Now you're sitting there wondering who you done been with. Now you dying and they still living. You dying of fear. 
but done been with somebody else. Done affected the wife. And the Lord told you you'll save, sanctify yourself. Don't go back over there. Give you a testimony of a man. This man said that he was asleep around, slept around. And he know how he, this is what he said. He said, the reason why I was like I was is because that's what I saw in my family. He said, I saw my family and them doing it. So it was normal to us. That was a part of life. You know, everybody was doing it. That's what the world do. That's what I did. He said, when I got married, I wasn't going to do it no more. I made up my mind. I'm not going to do it no more. And I believe this man was safe. Say, I'm not going to do it no more. So, okay. That's what he made up his mind to do now. Mind you not. This was his second marriage. Next thing you know, he said he went out with his friends, saw a woman, slept with the woman. Come to find out, he said, I ain't using no protection. The woman was thinking, she, no, the woman had something, or he found out the woman had something. He said he was so scared and said what he did to try to cover it up, he told his wife he tied. Said his wife was getting all effects. She said, no, baby, I'm tired. I just need to get me some rest. He said he played that card as long as he could. Say finally he gave in to his wife. Then he said fear began to paralyze him. Tell me that it affected her too. Guess what he found out? The woman didn't have nothing. Now he's on open television right with his wife beside him. Woman didn't have nothing. But he said, I carried that <laughs> for that long. Guilt and everything. You know what the wife did? Y'all ain't going to believe this. She did not leave him. She was a Christian woman. But what she did, she said, you need some Jesus. And the only way I'm going to be here with you is you recognize you need Jesus. And you get you some help through Jesus. And this man, that's what he's been doing. And they've been happily married for 20-some years. What am I saying to you today? This is no game. The enemy will put you in a place and you think it feel good. Look, that's why there's feelings in the bedroom. And once you attach yourself to another man or woman, let me tell you what happens. Through fornication, whatever that man dealing with, whatever that woman dealing with, it's right there. It's already set up. So you keep going back for that feeling that you're having because you already got it in your head. And then you keep going back and going back. You set up for disease. Jesus already got rid of all of that. But he's telling you to stay away from that. So you won't bring this into your house. People, this is serious. Please. We got too many people right now saying they wish they had not. But they did. It's time to loose this stuff. And let it go for real, Christians. I'm talking to Christian folks because you can't tell nobody else they got a problem if you ain't recognizing your own problem. And a good woman or man that's full of the Holy Ghost already know you're lusting because God allowed them to know your thoughts and to know what you're thinking and what you're looking at and how you're feeling about what you're looking at. And it gets to the point they're calling out Mary and still calling you out. And what you need to do is wake up and say, Mary Magdalene ain't in this bed. And begin to hit him upside the head and say, what's my name? This is no joke, y'all. 
This is serious business. We have strongholds in the body of Christ. And God said you can be loose from this stuff. We're spending too much time on stuff that you're dealing with that you don't want to let go of. And it's a warning today. God is coming through this house. He see you. He's giving you an opportunity to loose it and let it go because you can't help nobody else if you ain't willing to help yourself. Come on now. Pastor, I know I'm teaching right. I wouldn't tell you nothing that I ain't going through myself. This is no game because once he gets your mind, he got your body. And once he gets your body, woo. Come on now. It's time. Loose yourself. I done gave you how to do it. I ain't going through here calling out stuff. Mm -mm. Miracle Temple, you already know. Do what you know. I'm going to tell you like that parrot. You know. (laughs) Do we have any visitors at this time? And I'll say this. But if you need help, I'll help you now. I'll help you. Do we have any visitors at this time? Praise Jesus.